Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching. And if your sensitive child is struggling with following a restful routine for bed, then make sure that you are tuning in because if your kid or teen is running around the house uh, wired or just totally on screens and won't get off or anything in between, uh, we're going to cover that challenge that you could be having today and how to break out of it systematically. Hello and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Here at MTC, we have helped hundreds of families break out of the pattern of the meltdown cycle. Meltdown cycle, what is that, right? Um, This is a child who's having daily meltdowns, um, intense in either positive and or negative energy that leads to a meltdown on a daily basis. And this is, can be happening, um, every day, multiple times a day, um, every day, just once, or, uh, your child might be shutting down and, uh, having outbursts less frequently or, or not at all. And those shutdowns, those isolation moments, um, can be happening on a daily basis or at least multiple times a week. So when we think about what's developmentally appropriate, you know, obviously for young children, it can be tricky for young kids to, to fall asleep, um, and to do that regularly. And so, so what we're looking at is how frequently is this challenge an issue? And then we want to look at the, the childhood across the, the, the lifespan all the way up through 18 and uh, understanding healthy sleep habits and, and what is important for you to be highlighting as a parent and what's typical uh, in child behavior as well as what's, uh, what's not typical and what's, what needs to be concerning for you as a parent. So uh, you might be ready to rest. It might be 7.30, 8, 8.30, and, and your child is still running wired like somebody just gave them a Red Bull. And uh, this can be really uh, impactful for you as a parent, right? Especially if you have multiple children trying to wind down your sensitive child. And this is for children who could be 4, 6, 10, um, and, and still struggling to fall asleep. Now, some highly sensitive kids can struggle um, in more of a reserved way, if you will. Perhaps they're reading up till, till 10, 11 o'clock at night and then uh, super tired in the morning as a result. Or they're on their screens and you can't seem to, to get them to put it away or they, they set, tend to be sneaking it. Um, so you might get them to turn it in, but then you realize that they, they went um, back to go get it while you're sleeping um, or to turn it on while, while you were asleep. And so all of these challenges, falling asleep on time, um, no matter how your child behaves while they're doing that is, is what we're talking about here today. And so when we think about the, the, how difficult this can be for you as a parent, you know, obviously, um, this can be really tricky. You know, at the, the end of the day, it is your, um, your rest time. You might want a break from, from parenting and, and need to spend some time with your spouse or co-parent and want to have uh, alone time yourself, read your own book, etc. right? Um, and yet here you are trying to get your six-year-old to brush their teeth regularly or, um, or, or to get your, your younger child to, to put on their pajamas 
um, without needing to do it for them or with them. Um, and this can be really, really a, a big struggle. Uh, and, and we have parents who are struggling with this, with the hygiene issues, especially uh, for 9, 10, 11 year olds. I don't need to brush my teeth. I don't need to change into my pajamas, like whatever, leave me alone. I got it. Um, you know, I don't need to go to bed this early. I'm not tired. All of that um, can be quite the struggle, regardless of your, your sensitive child's age. And I want to name that because if you're parenting a four year old, um, it can be difficult to think that this will keep on keeping on. If you don't turn it around and it's also important for you to notice uh, that it can um, and it is important to take it seriously when when a four-year-old is struggling with bedtime on a regular basis I mean daily multiple times a week um, is, is definitely a concern for parents of sensitive kids um, and uh, parents of, of non-sensitive kids alike and so it's something that that you need to to take action on now um, especially if that is leading to meltdowns. Obviously, your child needs to slow down, um, calm down, and be restful enough to actually fall asleep. And that can't be happening if they are this agitated and frustrated and aggravated um, that they are melting down and, and losing it because it's not restful to have to go through that whole cycle in order to just pass out at night, right? So um, we really want to take this seriously and, and focus on, on breaking out of that pattern. And so at this point, as a parent, you might be doing all kinds of thinking um, that you might want to, to try to, to turn this around, right? How do I solve this problem? Do I get more strict? Um, do, I, do I tell my child, you know, bedtime, lights out, no ifs, ands, or buts, hand it all in, I'm going to strip your room, um, you know, so that, so that nothing is um, enjoyable. And this obviously doesn't typically happen on a one or done um, experience, right? As a parent, uh, you might be dealing with this um, and, and slowly removing toys out of your kid's room till the, the point where, where all they've got is blankets and stuffed animals and, um, you know, something to snuggle with uh, and everything else is removed because it's, it's too much of a distraction or you're trying to use it as a, a punishment um, to make their room boring. Um, and, and so this, this can obviously backfire pretty quickly um, when, when you're noticing your sensitive child and they, they're experiencing loss around the time that they're feeling emotional chaos. Um, that can actually add fuel to the fire and it can feel very difficult for you as a parent to uphold those boundaries regularly or to, you know, to believe whether or not that boundary actually makes sense for your kid because um, you know, it's likely that they are struggling uh, with that limit. And, um, and, and so, you know, we know that, that strict my way or the highway kind of parenting isn't leading you to a successful relationship with your child uh, because it doesn't send the message to your kid that they can handle it. What you're doing instead is telling your child um, that you're in charge uh, and that, um, that, that they can't be in charge of their own bodies, that they can't handle uh, following directions. They have to wait until mom or dad or, or a parent lays down the, the hammer. And, um, you know, whether that be with voice or threats to remove, um, remove things. Um, and, and what happens is one of two things. One, your kid either um, shuts down and, and, and yes, ma'ams you to death and then, and then follows through. Or, um, more likely, uh, it, it, it fuels the, the intensity and so they, they start screaming louder and uh, they struggle really consistently with, you know, and, and then might escalate in their words or their, their language. They might start hitting at that point, uh, throwing things around in the room, stomping with, with the massive disappointment in that moment. 
Um, or saying things like, now you don't love me, you don't hate, you, you know, you hate me if you loved me, you would, you would, you would change, uh, you would help me, um, you would let me get what I, whatever it is that your child's asking to do in that moment, whether it be to play or um, to, you know, to be on their screens or to, you know, to have more screen time, to read one more story, whatever it is. So, so obviously we know that, um, you know, strict running, running the house like a drill sergeant isn't going to work especially for sensitive kids who have an opinion. And uh, we know many highly sensitive kids can be quite opinionated and uh, they want their voices to be heard as children deserve to have their voices heard. And it's also true that children need boundaries and, um, and limits to be set in order to have safety and consistency in the home, which builds that trust um, that, that mom and you know, parents have got you. Um, and, and so when we think about the, the challenge that that might pose, right, so if, if strict heavy-handed parenting um, isn't working, uh, there's a clear reason. We've, we've covered that here, right? You're treating your child like uh, they can't handle it. And as a result, they don't. Um, and, and so that's important for you to understand um, and to notice that, that that isn't an appropriate approach. Uh, so you might be considering the other, the other way around, right? It could be just delaying the, the issue. Um, because you know, um, you know, one more story, uh, one more, one more show, one more something else, um, you, you realize that there's a balance there as a parent. It might be hard to figure out, you know, am, am I trying to support my child in avoiding a meltdown um, and walking on eggshells? Uh, or am I trying to relish any last drop of um, emotional connection I might be having with my child before they lose it, before I leave the room, before um, I expect them to, to take care of their bodies by brushing teeth or, or putting pajamas on independently, etc. And um, all of these challenges can be really puzzling as a parent because um, at that point you're, you, you can really feel like you're walking a tightrope. You know, which decision do I make? Um, which one is, is more appropriate at this point? Do I uh, prioritize my child's actual bedtime and, and um, or, you know, or to prioritize the fact that my kid is calm right now and uh, we want to kind of keep it that way. So um, this could be really, really challenging when your child is, is about to melt down. And, and it's also true that um, when your child has the, the, the jitterbug um, experience, you know, we, we call it frenetic energy here at MTC, basically buzzing like a bee. Um, all over the place and, and, and can be really um, experiencing high positive energy. You as a parent can feel a lot of stress in that moment um, because then, you know, your child is having a lot of fun, uh, but they're not following through on the expectations and you're worried about what that crash is going to look like. When it is time to say, you know, we're all done playing, it's time to brush your teeth, let's get it going. Um, that obviously can be really stressful for you as a parent. And you can start to wonder whether or not playing in that moment can be uh, relevant or engaging with your child and in, in uh, delaying the bedtime is going to be more effective because your kid's having fun and it's it's hard to parent a highly sensitive kid stuck in the meltdown cycle because if they're hitting and kicking and screaming multiple times a day running away from you or shutting down uh, the times when your child is experiencing extreme positive energy can feel like the the time you might only ever get to see your kid happy and joyful you know, that level of intensity is going from zero to 60 can be both negative emotions, as we talk about a lot here on the MTC show, but also um, related to positive emotions. Okay. And so um, we, want to, we want to notice that that, um, that level of dysregulation is still really important for you to be paying attention to. 
Um, and and it's, it's, it's clear uh, that if your child's dysregulated with positive emotions, it's still important to take, um, to take stock in. Okay. Um, because that, that level of, of out, out of control experience is, is still out of control uh, emotions, whether it's positive or negative. Okay. Um, and so we know, you know, like I said, we know that the cry it out method doesn't work. And it's also true that a total, you know, passive follow the child's lead, um, approach doesn't work either. Um, because in that moment, um, you're asking your kid to run the show and that doesn't create that consistency for your child to follow through. Um, and it's important for you to, to note for your kiddo as well, uh, that there are boundaries that bedtime makes sense <laughs> to have, right? Uh, we all need to learn that skill over the next, um, many years of our, of our life. And we need to learn and, and adapt to our own body's awareness of, of how much is too much time to be awake. And uh, without that self-awareness, it can be really difficult to start to adjust in, in young adulthood. You know, we've seen uh, working with highly sensitive young adults and in our career here at, at MTC, many of the team members um, have a lot of exposure being mental health therapists to, um, to working with highly sensitive young adults as well. And uh, many of them struggle going into college, trying to keep up with the uh, pace uh, of college or uh, living out on their own or trying to, to live out on their own with a job and, and perhaps going in and out of, of parents' house still. Um, and and the, the majority of the, the issue is related to the sleep cycle for many highly sensitive people. Um, and, and highly sensitive young adults are, are not um, um, uh, immune to that. And so it's really important for your sensitive kid to build these skills early because we see so many highly sensitive young adults staying up late and then not being able to show up, um, bright eyed and bushy tailed, uh, to work. Um, and you know, when bright lights bother you, um, and, and harsh language from a colleague bothers you that, that compounds when you, when you don't have enough sleep, when you're not restful, when you don't know how to care for yourself and, and take, um, take those, um, th those, that time for yourself to, to go to bed on time. And uh, this can be really challenging, especially for, for young, for teenagers. And we see in terms of um, supporting teenagers and turning off the screens and um, turning off the FaceTime with the, with the girlfriend or the friends um, and, and being able to, to turn this to, to disconnect from friends who might need you um, in, in this uh, dynamic can be really important to, um, uh, to shift out of early. Right. And, and to practice that intuitive knowing that um, your body is ready for rest. And so your body's telling you it's time to, t to go to sleep. Um, and that personal experience that a child understands about, the, you know, the body and how their body exhibits sleepiness um, is really important skill to build early. And so the last thing that I want to speak about related to the challenge that you're having uh, with your sensitive kid falling asleep is, is sensitive kids who are struggling with fear at bedtime, you know, separating from you, anxiety related to that, as well as uh, worries about monsters in the bed uh, or under the in the closet, under the bed, etc. Um, fears that your child might be having after they read a book uh, that was assigned by the school, um, or or in, in having that come up in at bedtime, or worries that they might be expressing to you. And, uh, and sometimes dumping on you right at bedtime and having that delay bedtime. 
And so when we think about the emotional experience of a sensitive kid who's holding it all in it all day and then waiting to explode, um, that that's not a conscious decision of, okay, now is the time for me to lose my gasket, right? Um, there's a, there's a, a boiling over point that, um, that you can't necessarily time. And um, that experience that your sensitive kid is having, that boiling over point can happen through, um, you know, please don't leave me. I can't handle me by myself when I'm, when I'm, when I'm in the dark. Um, or it could be, let me tell you all the things that I've been struggling with all day long that I've not had the chance to, to let out. But all of that creates an impaction for your child on a daily basis. And so it's really important to notice that this also is not a healthy experience for your kiddo. And, and um, many parents can hear from pediatricians or even therapists um, that, uh, that, you know, a child sharing their worries before they go to bed is healthy. Um, it should be encouraged, should be, you know, the time that you finally get with your kid that, that feels close and connective. Um, and it's, it's really important to understand when your child's stuck in the meltdown cycle um, that this is actually not an effective way for your child to process their emotions. Uh, right before bed, you, you want your child to be communicating um, what they're excited about the next day or resting, you know, what they feel accomplished in at. Um, and that needs to be an experience that your child spontaneously comes to you about. Um, it can't be something that you're trying to convince yourself or convince your kid, excuse me, which my Freudian slip actually is relevant. Um, convince yourself that everything's okay if you can get your kid to tell you one thing that happened that was good today, right? To try to negate the negativity. Um, none of that actually is, is going to move the needle in, in breaking out of the pattern of the meltdown cycle. Um, and it's really important to notice that the time of day that your child feels capable of sharing their emotions is indicative of how regulated they feel throughout the day. And so if they are not sharing with you um, throughout the day and waiting until the very last minute when they have to be alone with all these thoughts and they can't, and so they require a parent to be there, um, and it doesn't matter how long they have to dump it and, and, and share it because they can't hold it in any longer. Um, that's a bursting bubble experience your child is having, and it's a symptom of the meltdown cycle. So it's important for you to observe that um, whether that plays out for younger children or even older children in, in you know, imaginary um, beasts and spirits and, and, and scary things that they are worried about. Or um, you know, logical conversations around what you know, what their peer relationships are um, going, you know, and what they're worried about, and what they're how they're fearful of their teachers, or or whatever it is, um, you know, that so and so is mean, etc. Um, all of that uh, being poured out at bedtime is is still a really um, ineffective way for a child to manage their emotional experiences. So we want to take note of that, and so. When we think about uh, what, what works, what helps parents shift out of this pattern, you need to be able to playfully engage with your child. You need to be able to teach them how to manage their emotions throughout the day. Um, we can't tackle bedtime problems at bedtime. Uh, it's really important for you to be focusing on how and assessing how your child expresses their emotions all day long so that bedtime isn't the, the straw that breaks the camel's back for either of you. Uh, let's face it, as a parent, you're likely to be much less patient at bedtime because it's the end of your day, right? So it, it's it's really difficult to expect you as a parent, and I wouldn't, do, I don't do this to my clients, um, to teach their your kids at bedtime. Um, that's the last thing that we would be focusing on if your kid was having bedtime struggles, is trying to help you learn a new skill as a parent um, while teaching your child at, at bedtime. It's going to be incredibly difficult to be consistent 
in that um, in, in in use of a tactic at, at bedtime. And so when we think about being able to to move out of this meltdown cycle, you need to zoom out. You need to observe how your child is experiencing their entire day. You need to look at what you're expecting your child to do on a daily basis and what you think that a, a highly sensitive child uh, can handle and their emotional experiences throughout the day uh, and how all of these uh, challenges that your child is having, um, they might not be handling them as, as well as you think if, if this is happening at bedtime. Um, and, and so it's important for you to understand, you know, where are you having your child suck it up? Um, where are you, where are you noticing that your child is telling themselves to suck it up? Um, rather than actually experience and dissipate their emotions and, and deal with frustration or, or aggravation in a healthy way throughout the day so that the bedtime doesn't become this, um, you know, t- pressure cooker or, or ticking time bomb. So that's important. We, you know, we have to assess the experience. You have to you have to speak with your child playfully. You have to support your child in that. And then your child needs to feel capable throughout the day to solve their problems, to generalize a skill of managing an emotion. Uh, we wouldn't expect a child who's struggling at bedtime uh, here at, at our team and the clients that we work with, um, when when a parent is having bedtime challenges, we don't expect a child um, to to change their behavior at bedtime right away um, because that shift needs to happen during the day first. Again, same thing. When you're at your most vulnerable as a parent, at the end of the day, you're done, right? Um, I'm not going to expect you. I'm not going to ask you to build new skills at that point. Um, and nor would I be asking a child to do that because they're tired. They're at the end of their, their rope, right? There's a lot of vulnerability going on and, and, and emotional experience at night. And so it's hard for a kid to feel like they're capable um, in fixing the problem at, at nighttime. So uh, you have to build in capacity for your child to, to creatively solve their problems in the, the daytime. Um, that needs to be incredibly important for you as you play and communicate with your child that you understand them. Um, and you share with them through, you know, validation, through playful strategies to change their behavior, et cetera. Uh, and that has to be at a time where both of you have more energy, uh, have more capacity for energy as well. Um, and that's really what, what, what shifts the dynamic and breaking out of the pattern of, of, of the meltdown cycle, especially when bentai battles are part of the issue. You know, that's, you know, in clear and important uh, for many parents, but the same thing goes for, for teenagers. You know, teens are checking out on their screens. Um, they're wasting uh, their nights, um, you know, and I, and I say that in a, an effective way because some of the communication that they're having with their friends is like literally just the two of them while on their screens watching a show together and then they're FaceTiming each other. Um, there's some of that's a virtual connection and some of that's just virtual existence. And um, and, and so when we, we discuss the, the experience of having a hard time being alone, um, and, and having a hard time dealing with, with settling to sleep, uh, that's one of the challenges that we see parents of, of highly sensitive teens dealing with. And you have to be able to teach your teen uh, during the daytime to regulate that emotional experience and that ability to, to be on your own and, and to, to feel into your own emotions and to experience them and notice them and decrease them through the day uh, without that. Without that skill, you will look to avoid that emotional experience all day long, all night long, too. Um, and so we have kids who are escaping into books um, and have a really hard time turning the books off. And that, that, that emotional experience of zoning out into books um, can be something that one might find to be um, really uh, virtuous, right? I was a huge and, and avid book reader growing up. 
Um, but I was definitely experiencing, excuse me, definitely escaping my emotional experiences through books as well growing up. And this is something, you know, a sibling of a, of a sensitive kid in, in a meltdown cycle like myself and, and my family. Um, I remember literally reading, uh, walking the hallways and avoiding friendships um, and reading a book uh, while walking the hallways in school, um, lost in, in the enjoyment of that. Obviously, that's, a, that's a, a positive skill, being an avid reader. We want that for our children, right? Um, and uh, there needs to be a balance. Children need to be able to experience the real world and, uh, and to navigate social skills. And you can't do that if your nose is in a book. Um, so, so finding that balance of being able to do both, right. Uh, read, uh, you know, quickly and, and often, um, which obviously helped me be successful in my career and still does. Right. Um, and, um, it's not the only thing I do in my life. I have a family, I have friends, etc. Um, and so now there's an opportunity for, for you to observe, uh, when your child is an avid book reader and uh, that seems to be all they're interested in, I want you to observe, are they, are they zoning in? Um, are they zoning out, tuning out their life in order to live in fantasy and, um, and support your child and balancing that as well. And that, that needs to be happening, um, away from the bedtime routine, uh, so that your child can then build the skill to do it at bedtime. Um, and so when we think about these, you know, big picture strategies, it's important to understand that some of this can be very difficult to navigate as a parent of a sensitive kid when every day your kid is losing their mind, right? Um, that's, that takes a lot of stamina out of you um, and, and it's difficult to endure uh, consistently. And so I encourage you to reach out for support to solve this problem because it is pretty pervasive and it's likely affecting the entire family. And so uh, being able to turn this around and, and we need to look at it from a family orientation rather than just trying to target your one kid who's struggling uh, because that just keeps the message going for your sensitive kid that they're broken and they're not. Um, your highly sensitive child is missing skills. They are not broken. Uh, and so if you're ready to, to teach your child that and to feel uh, capable of being the one who is your child's teacher, because that's how highly sensitive kids learn is, is through the relationship with the parent, um, then we're happy to support you with that. And uh, you can have a conversation with, with our team related to your, your child, eighth grade and under. And if you have a teenager, um, we'll have a conversation with your teen and, uh, and you, and that'll help us support your teen and you in taking ownership, equal ownership of uh, the fam family dynamic in, in your um, own respective parts. And that will be really important in, in supporting a teen's level of independence and what they're capable of within the family dynamic. Uh, and, you know, obviously on those phone calls, what we would do on that call is, is have a, a conversation about what you're struggling with, uh, where you're challenged, um, what, what's, what's, what's not working. And then we'll talk about what, what you want to have working in your family relationships, uh, where you think you can improve. Um, and what is possible for your family once those, those challenges go away. And if what we do here at MTC and our systems and our programming, uh, works for a family like yours, we'll tell you how that works and you get started right away. Uh, there's no, no need to wait. And then next, uh, what you would need to do is discern. And obviously we would have the conversation, um, is if you weren't a fit, if what we do isn't appropriate for what your family needs, we would be sharing exactly how to how to take the next steps with a different professional or with um, with another um, skill set that you need to develop before we would be a match to work together, what have you. Obviously, that requires a conversation. I can't tell you that 
um, specific tips or tricks would be relevant for your particular family because what we do isn't tippy and tricky. Uh, what we do is systematic here at MTC. So we don't just throw things at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, we follow a system and we know what works and we do that. And as a, re as a result, it's efficiently solving the problem. Um, you know, eight weeks, two months, um, having to deal with this problem for the next, um, you know, for the last six, seven, eight years. Uh, being able to turn that around consistently and, and pretty impactfully within two months, um, it requires a, a heavy uh, amount of support from, from a professional team. And that's what we do here at MTC. So um, obviously that's not a fit for everybody and we're happy to figure out whether or not that's the case on, on one phone call. Um, so again, looking forward to speaking with you and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson and we look forward to speaking to you soon.